welcome, listeners, to the Elmore Leonard's. Uh, I'm Al. I'm Ken. And I'm Drew. That's right. And this is uh, episode eight, um, COVID-19 edition. Unfortunately, that's our situation. Uh, I, we apologize for the delay. Uh, the last one, episode seven, where we covered the two big bounces, that was recorded early February. I didn't get around to uh, editing it and publishing it until uh, much later. So um, if it feels dated because we're talking about going outside and going out in public, uh, that's why. <laughs> um, Drew, how's your, what's your mullet, how, what's your hair situation? Oh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty froey right now. You know, yeah. Like, luckily I had gotten a haircut like the day before everything closed because I was like getting ready for the school year or like going back to school. So I was like, I'll get a haircut before I like start that job and stuff. So luckily mm-hmm. I had like needed a haircut, got one, but like it has now been like too long and like sideburns are in the peripheral and like it is, I could pick out my hair into low afro now. Oh, nice, nice. That's that's my favorite version of your hair. Just the 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 gentle fro, as I like to call it. Dad, how's your mustache? You, I guess you're able to trim that. Actually, I've been there. Can, uh, work work on my ears, which you guys will find out if you live long enough. God punishes you with hair that grows out of your ears. And uh, I'm already there. And, uh, uh, and she did around them. Uh, in them and, and, and the hair above them there, you know, but that was it. That was all we could do. Yeah. Yeah. And she tried to trim my mustache. Yeah. 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 Your mustache has a mullet at this point. I'm sure. I think my (laughs) neck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's where, that's where it gets you. You get the, you get the turtleneck just on the back. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. How, how are you guys? Um, uh, what kind of uh, shows have you guys been watching? Uh, sorry, I just looked at Allie. She decided she's getting dressed. She's wearing the exact same thing as me. God damn it. Uh, don't you all usually plan that anyways? I mean, she's just saving you a step of you laying out her clothes for her. Please say no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Settle down. <laughs> v-neck gray t-shirts that's the theme of today apparently um but uh how are you guys finding uh entertainment like what kind of shows you guys been watching i started watching stranger things welcome <laughs> uh was that one of yours uh no i mean i've seen it a while yeah. ago like when it came out yeah. but that's a good one. That's so that's good. good Turns out. Yeah. That, they they nailed that sort of Venn diagram of Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Where it's like, the, there were moments where the hair would stand up on the back of my neck when the kids decide, like, we're not going to let the adults take care of this. We're just going to, like, take our destiny into our own yeah. hands. So good. April and I have been, uh, we come up with like lists of things to watch and like themed. And so we did, okay. um, 
like crime and mafia movies. So we went through like Godfather one and two Goodfellas casino, like hit all of the usual, like saw at least 10 and we're currently watching the Sopranos. Then okay. <laughs> we, before that we did like heist movies. So we did all the different heist movies we could think of. Then we did an Eddie Murphy list. So we did like 48 hours, another 48 hours, you know, like Beverly Hills cop one, two and three, like, like ten Eddie Murphy movies, and then uh, our latest is Kevin Bacon. So we decide to watch Tremors. Of course, was the first one, and then uh, Howlman. Got to start with yeah, Tremors. So we start with Tremors. She thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we watched Hollow Man, which pretty like pretty good graphics. It still holds up for being twenty years old. And the like, the invisibility tech they used was pretty good. Okay. And, um, okay. and then, uh, we watched. I was like, "Oh, I, I bet you'd like Alien." She's like, "No, I don't like scary movies." I'm like, "It's not like really jumpy, scary. It's not super gory." And so, like, she actually really liked Alien with Sigourney Weaver. And then uh, we watched Aliens, yeah. and then watched Predator because eventually we're gonna watch Alien versus Predator. So I have to like introduce both. Got to. Creatures. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, recently um, I had uh, Allie watch Highlander because that that's a that's a question I have for you guys. Okay, scenario time. Let's say you're at the Secretary of State, the DMV for those who aren't familiar with Michigan, and you forgot your phone. You forgot any reading material. The TVs aren't on. And so you just have to sit there bored. And so you decide to watch a movie in your head, like start to finish. What movie do you watch? Because mine is Highlander. Uh, I don't know it as well. Uh, I would probably go with Jackie Brown, just like how many different scene changes there are and characters that follows. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be like you memorized every shot, but it can you can you can do the uh, the quick hits. You can do the Wikipedia version of it mm -hmm. in your head. What about you, Pop? Oh, what do you? Where did your mind take you? Uh, I, I thought you guys picked out good ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think. I've been watching so much stuff. I probably could do a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's one we might end up doing uh, uh, sometime that I really enjoyed. Uh, 52 Pickup. Oh, okay. I just finished reading that. The Roy Schreider. Yeah, Roy Schreider. 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 Schreider yeah. Something. Somewhat. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the, the book that uh, you got me, Alan, has like the collection of Elmore Leonard stories. I just finished reading 52 Pickup. Now I'm reading Swag. Okay. Nice. So what decade did you get? Did you get 80s? Is it 1980s or 70s? I think it's 70s. Okay. Or like that's when the, the books take, take place in the 70s. You might not have written them oh, right. until the 80s. No, I, yeah, I think they were published. Yeah. Anyways, I, nice. I am also nice. reading one that you gave me. 
Uh, and it was okay. the four novels of the 80s. Okay, so Drew has the and 70s. I, okay, and cool. I, I have City Prime Evil, which is, oh, it is a good one. You know, it's it could stand in as the example of Elmore Leonard. I mean, it's Detroit, and it's that whole, yeah. uh, a lot of conversation, great dialogue. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the why, even the wild card, even right, the hillbilly exactly. character, kind of like uh, someone you can't trust and he just has like weird motives. And also, because I, I read that one, I think on a, yeah. on a plane, I had a long layover, so I read it front to back. And it, I feel like it, it's the most, if you wanted to take a tour of any book. That would be the one to go crash it to John R to to Madison Avenue to all this stuff because he he name drops a ton of ton streets of in that one. I feel like more than most. I swear the judge, when the guy was chasing him, drove by my Aunt Virginia's house. <laughs> she lived just off of John R. And, uh, and then later yeah. to, uh, what do you call it? What's the... No, of course it fell out of my head. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's one of the suburbs, the hippie suburb, Royal Oak. Okay. Royal, Royal Oak. Oak yeah. When they before they moved back to Arkansas, if you can imagine that. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, I've actually been reading Road Dogs, um, which takes place in Venice Beach, California, and it's actually. Something, it's kind of like a theme that's sort of been sprouting up recently, mainly because like in all the, you know, in like in today's Marvel universe where everything is connected and they've retconned every character to live in the exact same universe and they did it with the 007 universe. And so everything's connected and part of one entity. Um, You see a little bit of serialization of some of Elmore's work and that was Road Dogs is like he kind of picked characters from past novels uh, because it's Jack Foley from Out of Sight, Kundo Ray from La Brava. He actually, so he supposedly is is shot in the chest at the end of La Brava, but he just makes it so the paramedics saved him and so he's he's in prison. And so that's where he meets Foley. <laughs> and then, and then he's, and then there's a character from Riding the Rap, which I haven't read, Don Navarro, who's a psychic. Yeah. So he's, they somehow get, you know, Foley, Foley gets his sentence short, shortened and goes out to Venice Beach. And I've actually been, this is something that I've sort of been, playing with in the past years, which is playwriting. And so just as an exercise to like get those muscles going, I've, I've started to adapt this, the book road dogs to stage because it takes place in two houses that Kundo owns that are on opposite sides of a canal. And then there's a, like a walking bridge that you can go over the canal, which is like a famous kind of ritzy area of Venice beach. So that, as far as like stage and set concept, you know, you can, you can do yeah. a lot with that. So 
So that's been fun. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I've been speaking of, the, I was just telling Drew, like having all this time to kind of sit uh, with yourself, like I'm realizing how much I do miss the theater having, you know, having not worked in it in a long time and just having grown up there, uh, wanting to, you know, in whatever capacity, even if it's just to go back to the theater and enjoy it. Um, so there's actually a YouTube channel of the national theater, which is in uh, yeah. England and they're putting some of their, uh, performances that you can watch. So you can watch the entire production of whatever. And so they actually have Frankenstein with Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller. And they switch like one is the doctor the other one is the creature. And then there's another performance where they switch. Well, that'd be fun to watch. Um, it's, it's such a blast. It's like two hours long. It's for free. Um, and the sets are, I feel like the sets are co-stars in that because they're just these amazing, they have like automation right. and, and all sorts of stuff. It's just, it's so cool. And then sound design as well. It's yeah, it's, it's very enjoyable. With, where is that on the national theater of Britain? Or? Um, yep. Uh, national theater on YouTube, their YouTube right. channel should be able to. But today's episode that we're breaking down uh, is one of his later Westerns. Almost might have been the last Western, Valdez is Coming, uh, from 1971. The book was published in 1970, uh, and Burt Lancaster uh, starring in it. So real quick, let's, let's reel back. We'll give like quick hits of the plot just to kind of set it up. Um, like the Wikipedia version is the back of the DVD version. Um, so Roberto Valdez, AKA Bob Valdez is part-time constable, part-time shotgun runner for what is it? The Hodge and Hitch's coach stagecoach, which is kind of that's reused through ombre and then the other Westerns. Right. That's where Elmore started um, doing that stuff. Right. Right. The, just little taste of, but he didn't, you know, he didn't make it the Marvel universe version of that. Even though, like you were saying, like we were saying in, in the last episode, he contemplated making Jack Ryan, the one character that follows right. uh, all of his novels, that type of thing. So they're teasing it back then. And then Marvel did it I don't know, 15 years ago and ruined it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> everything's got to be connected. Um, all right, so he's he's running shotgun. Then he comes in. He's coming into town and sees a bunch of people surrounding a shack where there's a, a black man uh, held up in there because they're accusing him of murdering uh, the husband of Susan Clark's character. Uh, then uh, Valdez says, let me go talk to him. Talks to him. Uh, the guy says, no, I've never been there. I've been discharged a long time ago. You can check my papers. Then Richard Jordan gets trigger uh, happy 
shoots at him. Then the, the guy says, oh, you tried to trick me and goes to shoot Valdez. Valdez has to uh, defend himself, ends up killing the guy. It turns out he was innocent. Uh, and so then goes to Jack Tanner, who started this whole thing, and says, that man was innocent. The judge is going to come in. We have to do what's right. Taking a collection for the widow, uh, who's a Native American woman. And they all make fun of him, strap him to a cross, and kick him out of town. Uh, so then that becomes his uh, getting the trunk out, and I'm going to get revenge moment. Uh, and, and slowly but surely starts to find these guys. Uh, steals his woman, Susan Clark's character, who is the widow, who Jack Tanner is going to uh, plans to marry. Um, am I missing anything? That's pretty much it. Um, well, uh, there was one part. Was uh, he goes to the bar where a handful of the guys that were shooting at the shack, the person was held up in. And, and, and they agreed that if Mr. Tanner put up 100, they would put up 100. And so then it kind of like put all then the focus on Valdez going after the task of getting Frank Tanner or Henry Tanner uh, to get him the, the other half that the, the town agreed to or to match the funds. Right. Well, it, right. it becomes about the right. only thing sure. that Lancaster says for the rest of the movie is the $100. <laughs> Yeah. What do you want? He says, I want the hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Cause, cause he goes a couple of times he wants, uh, they keep saying no. And he's got a whole gang. Jack Tanner surrounded. He has like a little compound where he just has free, free reign and, and dictatorship uh, because he just has this huge posse of, of bodyguards. Um, uh, and his his El Segundo is with him. Um, uh, what were what were the initial thoughts uh, from this? Well, I can tell you that this movie is the one that got me interested in Elmore Leonard because at seventy one, I was just out of high school, and uh, <clears throat> I would not miss a uh, any of those old time Hollywood guys. Burt Lancaster or, or uh, 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 Douglas, any of those guys, if they made a movie, I'd go see it because it had some redeeming value. And uh, cool. when this, this movie was a good movie to me. Uh, I liked Westerns and I thought it was particularly well done. And uh, it was so good. I said, I, who wrote this? You know what I mean? I stayed for the credits. And I, and I saw that unusual name, Elmore Leonard. And I think that's when I first, I bought my first Elmore Leonard book. Nice. Yeah. That's significant. So that has like a, that's a significant yeah, history with that, you. And it's a good movie. I, I watched anytime it's on, I, I would watch it over the, over the decades. Sweet. <laughs> God. <laughs> How about you, yeah, Drew? I, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a good mix of Western meets like spy. 
it was like there was a lot of sneaking around or just like a, I just thought it was really well made and I liked the uh, the story sweet yeah because when we were trying to decide what what one to do next because we had you know some kind of an order going where we would so we're not watching all from the same era all at once um, but you're saying you're you're ready to get back into a western. You're in a western mood. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, this definitely scratches that. It's it's a, it's a you know 1970s western, so it's like fairly quick, 90 minutes, and uh, so I I felt the pacing it makes it move right along. And uh, yeah, my wife April and I we both liked it. Sweet. Yeah, and I, it it definitely was getting in that era of violence where they're not shying away from it anymore. They're not, they're not showing from a distance that the guy gets killed. They're showing like up close and blood and, and kind of this, there's kind of a brutal edge to these movies. Um, that, because when you, you know, sometimes my brain, you know, just registers a, a Western as, it's kind of campy and it's kind of wholesome and the good guy wins and all this stuff. And this, you know, this sort of challenges that um, much like most of the Elmore Westerns, it, it definitely, it's not your typical um, good guy, bad guy. That's it. It's, there's a little more to it. And I think that Burt Lancaster liked playing those characters that were, uh, a three-dimensional they were complex they had history and they had something for him to bite into uh and, and that that Did really you shows know that, uh, he was originally slated to play the the husband who wasn't the husband yet the boyfriend uh, mr tanner right yeah. tanner he was originally yeah. sc scheduled to play that uh yeah, Brando was going to be Valdez. <laughs> and it was, I think it's Lancaster's production company that put it on. So he sort of had the say. And because I read that there was like trivia in the X-ray on Amazon okay, Prime. Sure. So that's where I read that. And they had it slated. They got the writer to come in, do it. They're, okay, we're going to get this going. And he went off and did another was, movie. And while he was doing, he did yeah. airport. Okay. Um, while he was doing that, he was like, you know what? I want to play that. Right. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember when, when was Godfather? 73, 72? Something like that. I read that. I read 70? that book in 1970. And so uh, Godfather was sometime was, after that. Oh, Godfather was 72. Okay, so this is this was filmed in '69. Valdez is coming is filmed in '69. Um, so Brando was going to have his comeback no yeah. matter what. So that's cool. Um, the director Edwin Sheeran, not to be uh, confused Ed with Ed Sheeran, yeah, the pop star. <laughs> Edwin Sheeran. Um, this is his first time directing a film. Wow. And Lancaster picked him because he had just got done directing the stage version of The Great White Hope with James Earl Jones, which won the Tony for 
best play uh, in 69, I think. So it's his, first, it's his debut directing, but he has, you know, he, he has yeah, chops. He, he's at the he's same dealt time. with some big boys before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that the film version of The Great White Hope was released at the same time that this was filmed in 69. That's a pretty good movie, too. Um, yeah, I, I was watching just some clips of it, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch it, this. <laughs> I'm going to put this on my Susan wish Clark list. In it? Uh, it's Jane Alexander. No, uh, Susan Clarkson, uh, Valdez is coming. Yeah, I know. I thought maybe she was also right. in Great White Hope. I know. I remember there was a. I think the a mistreated woman, which was kind of a, a a standard operating procedure back then. It seems like because you saw how Susan Clark got treated okay. in Valdez. Uh, also, yeah. the horses. Uh, there were there were some stunts there uh, that are the reason why they say at uh, disclaimer at the end of movies now, no animal was injured in the course of making the film. Yeah, yeah, you get that sometimes where you're like, okay. ooh, you, you want people to recreate that today? Yeah, and well, that's they, a good they thing. They do it all with a computer today, so <laughs> right, it's better for the horses. <laughs> Yeah, or like a member of PETA has to be on the set or the Humane Society. Or, yeah. yeah. To, get that, to be able to put yeah. that disclaimer up, you have to have them on set. Yeah. Um, 1970 is when the book was published. So that's um, like we just mentioned in the Big Bounce episode. Big Bounce was in 69 that he wrote, and that was his, that was his switch to yeah. crime. So I'm guessing this was, you know, he had um, maybe a manuscript still left over that he was still working on. So he was still kind of publishing Westerns at the same time. And I'm sure how those Western dye magazines work is like, just give a, give us a little bit and we'll publish it, that type of thing. Um, so it's definitely like in the, one of his last right. Westerns. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, had Susan Clark. She plays the the woman scorn. The murderer. Uh, the mom. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the murderer. Uh, she did it, everybody. Uh, she was in Porky's. I know. I pointed that out to uh, Dan. I said, I, I actually worked on this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, did I you work, work on, on Porky's? Porky's or next day. So. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was down in yeah. Florida, right? Nice. Very interesting to see. Uh, she was also the the mom right. on Webster. Uh, and remembered her from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Richard Jordan, this is his film debut. Um, again, coming from the stage, because he's like, from he went to Harvard and Shakespearean trained, and then he flips to film and he's just playing this doofus. I wonder what goes through the mind of that. Like I'm sure, uh, getting into films can be maybe it's more lucrative or maybe it's just like for him the most natural step. 
but I wonder how it feels to be like, you know, I was King Lear two months ago and now I'm this kind of this doofus <laughs> uh, character, but he hey, plays it really well. Like you absolutely yeah. hate but that. You know dude. what? He, that <laughs> acting there that he does, that's not easy. Do you know what I mean? You, it, yeah. He had to think about that and line that up in his head. It's like crying, you know, it's not easy yeah. to like lose it. Cause it, you can imagine there's right. a, anywhere from a dozen to two dozen people all around you that nobody sees. And you've got to do this mm-hmm. over and over. Cause the, even if everything goes perfect, they change the angle that they shoot it. So you're, you're going to have to do it three or four times. You know, do it again. And, uh, <laughs> man, I said, he, he did a terrific job. I knew he was, you know, he was, he was not a lightweight. And they usually get right. good guys to play doofy guys like him, you know. Right, because it's got to be done right. Because if you don't have that, it sort of, yeah, sort of weights yeah. the other characters correctly. It gives balance to the to the tone. I like how he had the funny um, hat, you know, the the crown being Hoss Cartwright. Of course, you guys probably don't do Hoss Cartwright. Right. But... <laughs> I like all that stuff. I can picture it. And the yeah. whole transformation when Valdez pulls the trunk from underneath the bed and transforms from the wimpy uh, assistant sheriff in the, of the Mexican part of town into Valdez. You know, that, yeah. That's a Super, nice yeah. transition. Yeah, those are super fun part. That could almost be a theme of your binge watching, Drew, of like the transformation where the trunk comes up, like the John Wick, um, the professional. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah, that's why. That's uh, why I thought this movie, the paint, was like a um, like a a really good western, but it was also very mixed with like a hitman movie or a spy movie because that whole like like you said that trunk moment and then like he's not just like riding straight the enemy he's like using little tactics and freaking him out by saying he's coming and like sneaking around the mountains and using the lay of the land yeah yeah so cool it's like my like the the eight-year-old me that that was always my favorite part of the movie like oh he's yeah. gearing up you're gonna get it. Well, it's good. He says that the segundo asked him, "How many you kill?" You know. Well, he says, yeah, five, five six. He just says eleven. Oh, you count. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he says, "You better." <laughs> yeah. So there, there are white guys with brown makeup oh, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, in. The main character, Burt Lancaster, um, with bright blue bright eyes, blue. <laughs> with brown makeup, doing an accent. And, it is what it is. It's it's part of its uh, of yeah. its era. And the makeup um, changed. He was way darker at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, trying to try because El Segundo had at one point. There's a night scene, and it's like, did they just put? gunpowder on him at one point and in in the the segundo character i thought for me was the most um you know he has the most dynamic shift 
because he's such a jerk and such he looked so funny to me with that hair and he's balding and he's a white yeah. guy and he has brown face <laughs> and i was like look at his does he know what he looks like right now well, like, he, he wins with the, the mustache he had the best mustache <laughs> <laughs> And the hat is Use huge. Sombrero. The oh god. <laughs> because he, uh, but towards the end, he, he's just impressed with Valdez. Right. He gets it. He starts to respect him. Well, yeah, like another Mexican, yeah. like himself. And I almost wondered because um, of how many questions he was asking, and, and like there was almost like this, um, like a. Not like respect, but also it felt like there was like a um a sense of remembering or recognition of this like he had fought with or against this person before because like his deeds were very sure. then familiar and like this is the type of person who would stand out in you know the cavalry that like could scout and sneak and know the trails and shoot from a long distance accurately like so I felt like the Saguna guy yeah. the backstory could have been like they served together or he served with Segundo's brother and he heard about him and he was like, all right, I'll be on your side when it all like comes to a head mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah. They definitely like, they start having a common language, right? Do you hunt Buffalo? No, we hunted Apache back before we knew any better. Right. And the, and the and Segundo goes, good. Uh, good. you know, they give him that look. That's what I thought. You know? that was mm hmm. And which that guy, uh, I think his name's Barton Heyman. Yeah. He's he ended up being a character actor, but he's from the stage yeah. as well, which I know is, a, you know, that's not new or anything. And that's not uncommon, but uh, seeing a lot of these guys come from theatrical backgrounds. Yeah. On this movie. Well, if you're looking for the next new face, that's the place to look, you know. Uh, yeah. If you're in the yeah. business. Because all, yeah, all of them are training right. through actor studios or, you know, some of them are Meisner trained or whatever. So it's cool. That's yeah, very cool. Uh, which uh, there was uh, a real, a genuine Mexican actor in the, in the movie. The first one to hear tell them Valdez is coming. And that's Hector. Yeah, Hector. Dude. Yeah, he's the... He's the butler and oh, he's been, pretty yeah, woman. He's been in all kinds of things. And right now he's in a, a lawsuit commercial telling people that if they got harmed by whatever, uh, it's a class action suit, you know. I mean, he's still working. <laughs> yeah. And I think he was about the only Mexican actor in the movie. True. Maybe Frank Silvera. Uh, actually, Frank Silvera was born Diego? in Jamaica and he's black. Okay, he's black. Okay. Yeah, he said that uh, he was he was mostly a black guy through his career. Although he was in a a big movie in Hawaii, and he played the Hawaiian. Okay. And, okay. <laughs> and he said he had a this ton was of actually roles. And as it turns out, in Ombre, he is the guy that kills Paul Newman. Yeah. Really? Okay. So he's, he's one of the, the guy that says uh, to. Uh, Martin Balsam, when he runs down the hill, what, I want to know his name. Yeah, tell okay, me his name. nice. <laughs> Frank Silvera. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. 
This was his last film, apparently. Yes, I believe. He, he electrocuted himself by accident in his kitchen trying to fix a garbage disposal. He was he was fifty five uh, years old. Um, oh God! Isn't that amazing? That's wild! Holy so, smokes! So, uh, just a little while after this this movie, he did that. Jeez, because I read that and I was like, oh, he must have, you know, maybe he had cancer right. or something or a, a car accident or something. Just this freak electric. Yeah, you, know, you know, didn't turn the power off. Probably something jammed. Yeah. Up, you know, man. Oof. Yeah. Go to the Go breaker to break. first. Get a flashlight. <laughs> man. Um. But yeah, uh, Hector doing um, a Speedy Gonzalez uh, thing, yeah, which isn't which isn't the best. <laughs> it's not the best look, but but yeah, like you're saying, the only actual. I mean, maybe Latino. Maybe some of those uh, Tanner uh, guys were Mexican, but Hector had him and Segundo, yeah, who wasn't Mexican, had about the only speaking parts. Yeah. I told Jan I thought Hector probably got the job because he could ride a horse up that hill. Oh, my God. Some of those. Um, there was a time when Valdez is leading uh, the lady and uh, Richard Jordan's character down. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, if they're not stump people, they're freaking out. Yeah. They, had, they got their union reps on them after that. Like, don't be putting me in harm's way unless you're going to pay me. Hazard pay. <laughs> well, they were new. Maybe, you know, Burt Lancaster might have told them, look, Pat, <laughs> you want to work again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, some of those stunts were bonkers. Like, uh, the, ho like the horse getting <laughs> shot, and so, like, the, it tumbles, but then there was another rider next to him. So, eventually, there's, like, two horse riders the guy tumbles because the horse like goes down on its front legs and tumbles. Well, the other horse comes in and like also tumbles and nearly hits the guy that's now unhorsed down a hill. I was yeah. just like, oh, I don't know if that horse hit him. Yeah. That, okay, was well, like, that was a terrific stunt. Yeah. And I think the, um, I've heard that the, the unwritten rule is that if a stunt man dies or gets hurt while doing it you keep that shot in there could be i don't know have you heard anything like that i heard that but i remember that uh, when i was a kid there was a show on television called combat and the guy that played the tough sergeant on combat was in a steven spielberg movie where where it was a flashback to vietnam and a helicopter crashed and killed him oh. and when i went to see the movie i always wondered i wonder if you know, is this the footage? Did they keep this? I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, didn't they keep it in uh, the Crow with Brandon Lee? Did they? Did they keep that? I think the one that? Yeah, he, I think that's that he shot died. himself in the head. No, no. He the they were supposed to be blanks. Oh yeah, and they were real no, bullets. No, they were he blanks, but a blank still shoots a wad, and he put it right. 
he was touching his skull with it and it blew a chunk of his skull right through his head. Brandon Lee? I think so. I, th I think there was a, there's a scene where he's, the crow is supposed to be surrounded by like 12 guys and he just gets riddled with bullets. And I think some of those had oh. real bullets in them. Wow. But there was a, there was a guy, he was like a male model turned actor and he would always play around with guns with blanks and he ended up, I forgot who that was, but he ended up like just fooling around and shooting himself. But the, the air pressure, right. It still shoots out a piece the, of the pressure from the blank. So there's a, yeah. a push behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the actual footage from the crow or not. It's, it's weird to think about. Yeah. That, that was a um, good stunt though with those horses. Yeah. No, that's, that's skill. I wonder because this was filmed in Spain, right. which, Towards the end, it said filmed in Spain in this, you know, national mountain park and in the studio. You can t you can 100 percent tell when it switches to the studio when they're out in the mountains. Yeah, because <laughs> all of a sudden the fog is just everywhere. Yeah, um, well, and they're enclosed in some sort of cave. That uh, that part of Spain is where Sergio Leone took Clint okay. Eastwood and made the Good to bad and the ugly, few dollars more. Spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti yeah. westerns were were started there. Okay. Jan asked me, "Well, if it's Spain, why'd they call it spaghetti westerns?" I said, "Because of Sergio Leone." <laughs> was Italian, yeah. <laughs> it's a mix. There's yeah. It's a Valencia. So quite often, spaghetti westerns. This movie gets lumped in to spaghetti westerns. Okay. So, I mean, it definitely that follows like the same theme, like you were saying, Al, uh, about like it's not just oh, good guy is always good, bad guy is always bad. It was like the good guy is like this, a flawed character and like not clean shaven, not just like your knight in shining armor coming in to like pacify mm -hmm. the West and make it not wild, where we're just bullets no don't ever hit John Wayne, but like spaghetti westerns was definitely like they tried to make it a little more like gritty or freedom yeah yeah because i think when did the getaway come out was that later i think that was 74 uh no 72 72 so yeah that's because that's sam peckinpah right yes. the getaway yeah. so that dad didn't you say that's the first one to use slow motion uh sam, that was sam peckinpah's trademark slow motion violence okay Violent, yeah. The bullets yeah, yeah. hitting them and the blood splattering all in slow motion. Yeah. And then the guys that fell um, off the porch roof, you know, and landed out in the street, he always showed that in slow mo. Nice. Yeah, it kind of that came to mind a little bit because I'm, you know, they didn't he didn't use slow motion, but there was definitely that that level of graphic violence that was in that same vein, which audiences came to kind of expect maybe. Yeah. That became a popular, there was no stopping the, uh, and he came from Westerns too. 
Yeah, yeah, Sam. He, well, he, by the time he got to the getaway, he was he had it down. I'm trying to think what else we got on this movie. Pretty good, pretty you know, pretty tight, like you're saying. Yeah, ninety minutes. Hour and yeah. uh I like the ending. Um, it it kind of leaves. Yeah, we haven't it, even talked. Yeah, about the it. the ending. They finally track down like El Segundo and the Tanner gang. Finally, get tracked down Valdez, and he has Susan Collins with him, and. Uh, He's like, you know, tell her to step away. He's like, all right, fine, have her step away. He's like, that now they have like, he's he's shot about half of them, but the other half is all there with all their guns on him. And he still wants the hundred dollars. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that's the last time he says it. Give me the hundred dollars. But uh, that's when El Segundo is kind of just like, hey, uh, actually, most of these guys are my men, and uh, I'm actually liking this Valdez guy, so I'm gonna fire all of your gang right now. And it's just you and Valdez. And then they just end at kind of like end off. End like they're both kind of got their hands near their pistols for like a duel. And it just ends. And I kind of like that it wasn't, um, oh, well, we have to show the good guy prevailing. It was like, well, right. you just with, oh, and fill it in with your head of what kind of outcome did he, you know, did he surrender and give the hundred dollars? Did he try to draw and get shot? There's just like, I like that. It's just mm-hmm. to your own imagination. Yeah, yeah, almost, almost not quite as extreme, but almost original Italian job level cliffhanger. Yeah, the original Italian job. You mean not the remake with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, that's right. Well, good, Fioka. You guys doing good? You guys doing on that quarantine? <laughs> I went to Wal- Wahlberger. Uh, at the beginning of the year, of and I came did. back. Of course, you did. I did. I did. I went to Wahlburger and came back, and Allie was like, How, how was it? I was like, You ever try an impossible burger this good? Huh? <laughs> Donnie thought it would be too big. It wasn't. <laughs> the only burger you can get medium rare. There's only one impossible burger, and it's my burger. You're going to try it? Go ahead. Try that special sauce. <laughs> Tip your waiter. <laughs> 